Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for Chicago Business Radio. Brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chicago Business Radio. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and we've got a great show for you today. But before we get started, as always, I want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by FirmSpace. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Like I said, we have a great show today. Today, we have the president of Silver Consulting, LLC. So please welcome to the show, Brianna Silver. Welcome, Brianna. Thanks so much, Max. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Talk about your business a little bit. So let's jump right in. Uh, Tell me, what is Silver Consulting? Yeah, I'm happy to share. So Silver Consulting, we're an innovation research and strategy consulting firm. And so we support mainly Fortune 1000 organizations to future-proof their offerings. So we sit at the intersection of market research, user experience, and design, and really you know, support organizations in three areas. One is around enhancing their brand. So, you know, why do they deserve to be in the marketplace today compared to others, for instance? Fill their innovation pipelines, either looking at next generation products or services or development of wholly new, uh, new, new offerings. And then largely around aligning stakeholders around new visions for growth. And what industries do you work in? We work across a lot of different industries. But the three industries that we largely support, at least right now, uh, over the past few years, is healthcare, education, and government. So what's a common mistake uh, that businesses make that you can help alleviate? Well, I would say that a lot of times organizations come to us when they're seeing shifts in their business, that they're not quite sure what to do about it. So I would say... You know, if you think about it from a problem standpoint, maybe not super concrete, uh, maybe not what you're expecting hearing, but it's like when somebody has a wicked problem and they're like, we don't know what to do, that's usually when people reach out to us because there's been enough shifts in their marketplace um, or, you know, they're seeing some signals around things are changing, but we're not sure how we need to change to stay relevant you know, that's when they come to us. So just to kind of like put this into like into like hard concrete uh, a story here. So like we had a, a client, you know, a couple years ago come to us. They were an insurance agency and they said, you know, we are spending more money uh, than sort of what would make sense by the book of business on mental mental health uh fees, if you will, or mental health services for individuals who are between 18 and 25 years old. And so, you know, the reason why they were doing that is because basically the emergency room fees were incredibly high. And so what you would deduce is like all these things that may be offered service-wise to prevent that emergency room admittance weren't being taken advantage of. But they didn't know why and they didn't know what they should have instead to, you know, prevent that. And so that's where they would come to us and they said, you know, help us to understand what's really happening and more to develop new services and offerings that can, you know, better support these individuals to prevent them from getting into an emergency room type of situation. And then consequently, you know, helping us from a revenue perspective to not having have as many fees going towards emergency rooms. 
Right. I, I was on your website and uh, I was reading about how kind of the when, when a company comes to you all, um, they receive the what, the so what and the now what. Um, so can you explain that th- those three steps? Like You kind of were touching on it a little bit with your story, but I would love to just hear more about that. Yeah, I'm happy to. So if you remember at the start of the conversation, I said, you know, we sit at the at the intersection of market research, user experience and strategy. Or maybe I said that. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that that kind of correlates to what you're just talking about that. Um, so I would say, you know, our market research is really around. So, you know, what is actually happening in the market? You know, what are you know, what trends are going on? What does customer behavior look like? you know, what are the needs, you know, both those that are spoken and unspoken. So it's just kind of like charting, charting the, the, you know, sort of the landscape of what's happening. The so what piece of it is where our design training kind of comes into play. So it says, okay, if this is what is happening, happening, what are the possibilities of what we could do to, to change a scenario or a circumstance? Um, you know, what's the pot, what's the range of possibilities, if you will. And then when it comes to, you know, saying, okay, now this is what we're actually going to do. The now what of it, this is where the strategy element comes into play. Cause this is now when they're saying, all right, if this is what we could do, this is what we're actually willing to do. And this is why taking this step makes sense for our business at this time. And so there's a lot that goes into that type of decision-making around the now what, you know, it's it's what's happening in the market. It's what your core competencies are, your resources, your timelines, your talent, all of those things factor into ultimately defining the now what. But from working with us, you know, basically customers go through that whole continuum where they really get to diagnose what is actually happening. What are the root causes to the challenges that they're facing? What's the range of things that they could do to respond and then ultimately committing to we are going to do these things to have a different outcome. Yeah, it seems, you know, it's really valuable that you guys, like you mentioned, sit at that intersection of market research, user experience, strategy, uh, because you can address so many problems with so many different types of companies. Absolutely. Yep. It's the process that we specialize in. We don't have to have the industry expertise. I mean, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head in terms of, you know, how many different industries we've worked with over the years. Uh, we're, we're coming up on our 19th year of business and it's been, it's been extensive. I mean, anything from, you know, as I mentioned, like healthcare, government, education, industrial products, technology, banking, and we started in banking. Those were our first clients, mm. you know, power tools, consumer packaged goods. I mean, you name it, we've worked in it. So the world, you know, is ever changing that we just went through a global pandemic. We're still going through that global pandemic. So you see a ton of trends come and go Um, for a business that comes to you. How do you bring a sense of comfort and predictability to new innovation happening every single day? Yeah, it's a really good question and something we we we're constantly asking this question. Um, So. We have a process. Uh, so, so first and foremost, I would say the process helps to bring some level of comfort. And, you know, it's kind of like we're, we're charged with making people comfortably uncomfortable, I, I guess, is, is probably the first thing to state. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when they're, they're coming to us, they know that something has to change. And so you're not going to be 100% comfortable through that change. Otherwise, we're probably not doing our job appropriately. 
However, you want to give people a sense of ground as they go through the change that that you know is being demanded of them by the market. And so a, a big part of how we do that is just in the way in which we work. So we we engage workshops a lot through our process. You know, anywhere from like you know, initial, we call them like setting the stage for success workshops at the beginning of a project to really get clear around, you know, what is the innovation ambition that we have? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, you know, get hypotheses out, uh, both in terms of what has gotten the organization to the situation that they're in, as well as potentially, you know, kind of what the outcomes may be. And then as we move through the process, there's lots of moments of iterative collaboration where we come together, we share bits of what we're hearing from the market and what we're learning. We get their interpretation of that and then start to, you know, iterate and probe and continue to like sort of press on different themes that are coming out of sort of that, that what market context. And then once we have that what mar market context, then there's a lot of different types of, of workshops that we do that are around interpreting that data for their business. And the goal of those types of workshop sessions are to support them to really take action. So, you know, we have found that many times organizations are not for lack of data. They are lack of, they basically don't know how to take action on the data that they have. And a big piece of that is there's an interpretation or translation step that needs to occur. Um, and so, like I said, we have lots of work, different types of workshops that we will run to support those different translation steps, depending upon what the desired outcome is. And then, you know, if organizations wish to take it further, which some do and some don't, uh, we will even get into helping them to shape the new offering. So doing a lot of prototyping and testing and iterative building of different solutions uh, ultimately to get it to a point where it's ready for pilot or implementation. And so those iterative touch points along that process keeps people engaged. Uh, they're bought into not only the fact that change needs to happen, but the vision for what the change needs to be, and they become champions for it. And so even though it may be stretching the organization into new territory that can feel uncomfortable, there's a there's a level of investment and engagement and excitement that really leaves them energized to want to advocate for that change as well. And now, are you working with companies just in the United States or do you work with companies all over the world? We work with com companies all over the world um, at this moment in time. I think we've done work in 39 different nations across the world uh, in many of those nations multiple times. You know, like if you think about like, you know, some of the BRIC countries, you know, we've worked in them, you know, numerous times. Um, I would say that a lot of the work that we do internationally, uh, we are a good fit internationally, typically when there's multiple countries engaged. So we have a physical presence in the United States and in Brazil. And so, you know, to kind of do work in either of those two countries uh, independently, it kind of makes fiscal sense, if you will. Um, but like, you know, if we were to go do a project in China, for instance, in just China, it usually doesn't make good sense for folks. Mm. Um, but we do a lot of projects where we will do we will do research in, you know, five, 10, 15 countries at one time. So, for instance, like 
we're just finishing up a project right now where it was in five different countries. We have another project in field at the moment that's in three different countries. And so when there's multiple countries engaged um, and there's that need to get a broader sense of, you know, what are the global trends that are impacting their business? And again, going through that, you know, so what and now what equation across the whole global portfolio, uh, we're, we're a great partner for that type of work. So, Brianna, you mentioned that you've been doing this now almost two decades, tons of different businesses, tons of different experiences all over the world. Uh, but for you, what is the most rewarding part of your job? So my the most rewarding part of my job, um, well, there's sort of two pieces of it. So on a practical, I guess, level, if you will, I have found over the past, you know, almost two decades, as you put it, uh, that I really love the process of running the business and sort of like the reinvention of the business over these nearly two decades. Um, you know, yeah, I guess putting my own my own method into practice, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and needing to kind of constantly reinvent yourself. But you know, when it comes to serving our customers, what I have found that I really love is the ability to, to, to be a catalyst of change um, in that process. Uh, so, you know, recognizing that, you know, when it comes to any type of, you know, big engagement, like the ones that we get involved with, there's sort of like the project management associated with it. And then there's the anxiety management around that project that also needs to be managed. Mm-hmm. And in that the two of those two things together, when executed well, support change in occurring. Um, and when they're not executed well, it, it re- results in a lot of friction and frustration and all of that. And so what I have valued over you know, particularly I would say probably over the past 10 years is really getting to lean in at that level. And then when you do it right, the, the, the learning that occurs happens not only at a project level, you know, whatever they've brought us in to do, but actually at a whole organizational level, you know, so like I've had many clients, you know, kind of endearingly refer to us as covert cultural change artists Mm. (laughs) and and I think, you know, a big piece of that is because they're discovering things about themselves and the different ways of working. And so, you know, supporting that that level of enlightenment, if you will, and sort of like acknowledgement is something that I personally really value. So if any of our listeners want to get in contact or learn more about Silver Consulting, uh, what's you guys' website, any social media for Silver Consulting? Yeah, so we, we have lots of different social channels. Um, from our website perspective, it's silverconsulting.com. Now that is S-Y-L-V-E-R consulting.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I would also encourage you to reach out to me personally on LinkedIn. I'm very active on that platform um, and love to connect with people that way. And so you can look me up at Brianna Silver. And again, that's S-Y-L-V-E-R. Well, Brianna, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're doing a lot of great work for a lot of great companies. And we definitely appreciate all that you do. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you, Max. I mean, what a 
fantastic way to to highlight the great businesses operating in the Chicagoland area. So thank you. Thank you so much. That's what we love to do here on Chicago Business Radio. So thank you all for listening to another episode. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Chicago Business Radio has been brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com.